Good morning, and Happy New Year to everybody. Um, as we begin a new year, receive this, this blessing. Receive the blessing. Receive this blessing that the Lord Jesus Christ will give you his grace. You know, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, let me put it this way so I can get the hat also with you back. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we jump in, I, I want us to do one more thing here. If you could pull up this insert that says, find your next. Could you just pull this out for a second and take a look at this? Someday this is going to be an online tool. Someday we're going to have this tool where you can take this and you can assess where you're at with your faith. You can also identify goals for the upcoming year. And then you'll be able to click here and there and everywhere. And you'll be able to find best practices and resources that you can use to help you grow. Someday we're going to have that tool in place. And the whole purpose behind that tool is so that we can grow and we can mature and we can become more like Christ. And we can honor him in that way. We honor the name of Jesus when we become more like him. And that's our mission as a church. That's the whole reason we exist. So if there's anything we can do this year to help with that, please let us know. Well, speaking of mission, last Sunday afternoon, I sat down to, to watch some football. And, and one of the things I do when I sit down is I've got my primary channel, and then you've got to have your backup channel, right? You've got to have your backup channel when the commercials come on, because I, I can't stand commercials. And so when the commercials come on, you've got to flip to your backup channel. So I'm, I'm sitting down, getting into place, getting my backup channel ready to go, and a lot of nods on the backup channels. Yeah, all right. So so I'm looking for a backup channel, and I come across a movie I haven't seen since VHS days. It was a movie called Armageddon. It came out in 1998. Some of you have seen the movie. I think we have a picture of the poster. We can put that up on the screen. In this movie, if you haven't seen it, and it's not for everyone. This is not a kid's movie. In this uh, movie, there is this huge asteroid, huge asteroid, and it's hurling towards Earth. And so these really smart people get together and they say, we got to stop this asteroid from hitting the earth. Because if the asteroid hits the earth, it's game over for everyone except the cockroaches and dandelions. And we will not let the dandelions win, right? They cannot win. So we've got to stop this asteroid. We have, to, we have to save the world. That's their mission. Their mission in this movie is to save the world. If I ask you later in the message, what's the, the mission in the movie? What is it? It's to... Save the world. All right, save the world. That is their mission in the movie. Now, in the movie, their mission, it, it, it's just a movie. So it, it, it's just a not real thing. Well, let's talk about real life. Let's talk about the real mission we have that has eternal significance. And there's a place to write this in your notes. If you have your note page, please take, these out, take it out. And I encourage you to write this down. Our world has a Savior, and our Savior's given us a mission. Now, I worded this this way on purpose because we're not the saviors here. We don't save the world. We have a savior, and he's given us a mission. If you have your Bible with you, let me look at, let's look at this savior together. Let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Acts, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Let's take a look at this savior um, that we have. If you don't have a Bible, I want to let you know, too, in addition to taking home a mug, please take home a Bible today. We've got a, a stack of them there at the table over there and at the back. They're free. Uh, please, please take one. All right, here we go. Uh, Acts chapter 4, 7 verse 10. So Jesus, or a, a person is healed in Jesus' name. And the disciples of Jesus say, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I'm so glad the kids are with us. And I bet kids you can answer this question. Kids, who's the savior of the world? Say his name. Who's the savior of the world? Nice and loud. Come on. Jesus. Good job. Jesus is the savior of the world. He's the savior. And our Savior has given us a mission. Here's one way to write that mission down. In your notes, you can write this down. Our mission, this is one way to word it, is to proclaim the good news and do good deeds in Jesus' name. Our mission is to proclaim the good news, do good deeds in Jesus' name. The teaching series that we're in right now is about that. It's about our mission. It's about honoring the name of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're new to our church, within this series, in a couple weeks, we're going to tell the story behind our name. God gave us our name as a church. He gave us the name Emmanuel. That name means what? It means God with us. The name means God with us. And then just recently, God entrusted us with this domain, Emmanuel.church. If you Google Emmanuel, God with us, you, you Google Emmanuel.church anywhere in the world, it comes to our site. God hasn't just trusted us with the name Emmanuel. He's entrusting us with this domain. We want to honor that well. We want to honor that name well. When we honor the name Emmanuel, the gospel is proclaimed and hope is restored and the lost are welcomed home. When we honor the name Emmanuel, believers are challenged and resources are well stewarded. Strangers become friends. When we honor the name Emmanuel, relationships are reconciled. Those in need find support and ugly church politics find no foothold. When we honor the name Emmanuel, singles and families thrive. Young people are trained in the way they should go. Neighbors are blessed and skeptics become curious. Who are these people who bear the name Emmanuel? What we're going to do from now, and actually it started last week, what we're going to do from last week until the first Sunday in Lent is we're going to press into this. What does it mean to honor this name that God has entrusted us with? Well, one of the many ways that we honor this name is through God-honoring leaders and fruitful structures. And that's what we're going to press into today. So I'd encourage you to write this down in your notes. Here's what we're going to focus on today, our, this piece of the mission. God-honoring leaders and structures mobilize God's people in mission. Now, it seems kind of crazy that I have to make this case, but I have to make this case with some folks. Effective leadership and structures are essential to the success of any mission, right? Let's go back to our movie illustration. What was the movie? What was the mission in the movie? It was save the world. Very good. Save the world. All right, let's go to the next slide. Here's some of the pieces and things that they needed for their mission to happen in the movie. 
in the movie, and this is just a few of the things, they needed to mobilize teams of people who could design and build the equipment that they needed. So they needed to build these high-tech spaceships. They needed to build space nukes so they could nuke the asteroid. They needed to drill rig, space drill rigs so they could drill into the asteroid, put the nuke in the asteroid, and blow up the asteroid. They didn't just need to build the stuff. They had to mobilize teams of people who could actually fly the spaceship and drill the hole and make sure the nuke goes off at the right time. They needed to mobilize teams of people who could make sure there was enough oxygen in the spaceship, enough food and water for the journey, and somewhere to go when you need to go. You have to figure all these things out. And then to keep, keep it all together, they needed great communications. They needed great logistics. They needed exceptional coordination. And if any one of those things was missing, the asteroid hits the earth. If one of those things is missing, you've got no vehicle to get you into space. You've got no drill to drill the hole. You've got no one to turn on the nuke at the right time. You could get into space and realize, oh, someone forgot the oxygen. You could get all the way to the asteroid. Who was supposed to pack the space helmets, right? If, if you don't have great leadership, if you don't have great structures, the mission isn't successful. Again, what was the mission in the movie? It was to save the world. Without effective leadership and structures, the space shuttle might get partway up and fall back down because it doesn't have enough gas. Without effective leadership and structures, the drill team might bring the wrong size bit and they drill this hole down, whatever, was it 200 feet or 800 feet, whatever it is, they drill the hole, the nuke doesn't fit in the hole, right? Leadership and structures matter. Without leadership, without right structures, does the world get saved in the movie? No. All right, let's go back to real life. We have a Savior, and he invites us into his mission. Exactly. His mission is to proclaim the good news and to do good deeds in his name. In his name. And believe it or not, I've heard sincere Christians who put leadership and structure up and against the work of the Holy Spirit or up and against following Jesus. If you hold that position, I want to encourage you to go back and read the scriptures cover to cover. Start right at the beginning. What does God do? He takes chaos and he brings order. And then what does he do? He puts people who bear his image and he has them steward it. And as you read through the Old Testament and the New, time after time you've got people who are putting good and godly leadership in place, good structures, God blesses it, and then you've got the opposite. One of the ways God's people honor his name is through godly leadership and fruitful structures. To position leadership and structure up and against the work of the Holy Spirit or up and against following Jesus, it simply isn't biblical. In fact, some of the harshest indictments in all of the scripture are against leaders who don't lead well or don't lead in a God-honoring way, which is not leading well. So if we're going to honor the name that God gave us, one of the many ways we do that is through God-honoring leadership and God-honoring structures. I want to show you something. There's another insert we have in your bulletins, and this is an insert you're going to see throughout the series. This comes, this one that says 10 Healthy Missional Markers, if you could pull this out. This comes to us from our denomination, the covenant. Almost every group, every Christian group, is going to say, how do we do this? What does our mission look like? How do we, 
how do we identify if we're a healthy missional church? This is how our denomination identifies it. And I think this is one of the best that I've seen. They do a great job. The mission that God has given us, it is multifaceted. Multifaceted. And our denomination has compiled as helpful a list as I've seen regarding what it looks like to be a healthy missional church. And if you look on this list, godly leadership, fruitful structures are two of the things that they identify. And here's the thing about this, this, these last two on the list. If you get the last two on the list, godly leadership, functional structures, if you do that well, it affects all the rest in a positive way. Right? You get those last two wrong, it affects all the rest in a negative way. I was um, thinking about structures, and I was thinking about delegation, and I was thinking about leadership when Laura and I were at a great concert at the Target Center. So we went to this concert at the Target Center. It had a full orchestra. It had lights. It had all this type of thing. What are some of the things that go into making a great concert? Just yell some of them out. What, if you want to have a great concert, you want to go to the, great, the concert, and it's going to be great, what are some of the things it takes to pull that off? Yes, building the Target Center, says the man from Mortensen. Yes, <laughs> build the building. <clears throat> build the building. All right, what else? Invite the band. Somebody say invite the band. Yeah, we, we do need to have them show up, okay? What else? Good sound, and that does not happen by accident. Can I get an amen from Joe? Sound. <laughs> the mute button is a powerful, powerful button. What else do you need? What else do you need? People to watch it. Yeah, you have to, you have to invite so there's promotion. You got to sell tickets. Yes. What else do you need? Lights. Food. What else do you need? Cups. Did you say cops or cups? Cups. And probably both, right? Cups and police officers. All right. Now, with each one of these, we could break this down, couldn't we? Without great leadership, without great structures, can you have a great concert? No. You know what you've got? If you don't have great leadership, you don't have great structures. You don't have a great concert. You got the Guitar Center sales floor. Anyone ever gone into Guitar Center when there's a whole lot of people there at the sales floor? Everyone playing their own song, right? How many have experienced that? Okay, so when you go into the Guitar Center, great great place. Um, you walk in there, and if you've got 20 different people, they could all be great musicians, but when they're all playing their own thing, it just kind of sounds kind of, well, it sounds like the Guitar Center sales floor. That's the difference between just a great group of individuals and great leadership and structure. So with the remaining minutes we've got, let's look a little more closely at these two things. Uh, godly leadership and fruitful structures. Let's start with godly leadership. If we are going to honor the name Emmanuel, we've got to have a culture of godly leadership. And here's how our denomination describes this aspect of our mission. This is how they write it out. They say a culture of godly leadership, then they reference Hebrews 13.7, which we'll look at in just a minute. And they say our leaders at all levels serve with character, competence, and conviction. And there's a spirit of collegiality that pervades with our people, trusting our leaders and our leaders trusting our people. And we continually identify and train godly leaders for all dimensions of our ministry. Now, that's a well-worded summary, 
And that's a well-chosen verse. Let's take a look at this verse from Hebrews. If you're not familiar with Hebrews as you're turning there to Hebrews 13, 7, you're going to find the book of Hebrews in every Christian Bible. It's an ancient document that was vetted and included, and it provides remarkable insight into the life and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth. The author of Hebrews makes the case that Jesus is greater than any angel, and angels are pretty great. Jesus is greater than, any, than, than Moses, and Moses was pretty great. The author of Hebrew makes the case that Jesus surpasses any high priest, any prophet, any king that has come before or since. And the author of the Hebrews makes the case that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now, chapter 13 that we're going to look at here, at verse 7, it's the last chapter in Hebrews. And this verse comes after an extended, extended dialogue and discussion about faithful leaders who participated in God's mission. And then comes verse 7. It says this, Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Let's quickly break these three things down because I see at least three things here. Here are three characteristics. Godly leaders found in 13.7. Number one, godly leaders are committed to biblical principles. Biblical principles. The author of Hebrews instructs us to remember the leaders who, quote, spoke the word of God. They spoke the word of God. And if you look at the life of Jesus, he knew Scripture. He honored Scripture. He abided by Scripture. And leaders who honor the name of Jesus do likewise. Now, next week's teaching, the entire teaching, is on the word of God. So let's move on to number two. Godly leaders, number two, here's another characteristic. Godly leaders we see in Hebrews 13, 7. They're attentive to best practices. Now, I, I put committed to biblical principles. I put attentive to best practices. The author of Hebrews also instructs us, it says, consider the outcome, the outcome of their way of life. In other words, are they making good decisions? Godly leaders should be making good decisions. Jesus himself said, look at the fruit of people's lives. Look at the fruit of people's lives. So if we're going to honor Jesus' name, let's look at the fruit of people's lives. Are we appointing leaders who make good decisions? That's one of the ways we can assess a godly leader, right? Number three, godly leaders inspire people with their character, their competence, and their conviction. The author of Hebrews put it this way. It says, imitate their faith, which implies that they have a faith worth imitating. Imitate their faith. Godly leaders inspire people with their character, their competence, their conviction. Jesus said, follow me. What did Paul say? He said, follow me as I follow Christ. One of the most effective leaders in history was a shepherd boy who later became the king of Israel. His name was David. And there's a quote that I included. We're developing a tool for our leaders here at our church called the Leadership Compass. And I put this quote from Psalm, the Psalms in our Leadership Compass, this, this quote about David. It said, David shepherded them, and he's not talking about the sheep now. He's talking about people. David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. Doesn't that sum it up really well? Isn't that the kind of leaders we want to have at our church? They've got integrity of heart, and they have skillful hands. 
Romans 12, 8, another great verse on leadership. It talks about leadership being a gift from God to his church. And then it says, leaders, if you got that gift, lead with zeal, with diligence. And that applies to everyone, regardless of age. There was a time when I was putting together this message series, and, and I thought, why are we going to do leadership when the kids are in with us? <laughs> then the Holy Spirit said, this is a great time to talk about leadership. If you are 17 or under, please raise your hand right now so I can spot out where you're at. If you're 17 or under, please raise your hand. I'm not going to have you do anything embarrassing. Anymore. 17, okay, let me talk to you, 17 and under. God is challenging you to be leaders right now. This is not a wait until you grow up thing. This is a right now thing. And if we look in the scripture, if we're going to honor the name Emmanuel as a church, then we need to do a great job as a church of helping to develop and coach and entrust you with leadership. That's one of the things we do. You look at the scriptures. Look at Samuel. Samuel was a kid when God called him. You look at people like David, who we just talked about. He was a kid when God called him. Look at a person like Mary. She was probably a young teen when God called her. Moses was a baby when God set him apart. And you got John the Baptist. He wasn't even born yet, and God had a call in his life. One of the things about Christianity, the faith that we practice, one of the things about honoring the name Emmanuel is we're going to believe in you and we're going to entrust you with leadership. And that starts right now. We're going to challenge you to step up. One of the reasons we need to do that is someday this whole church is entrusted to you. The whole thing. You're going to be making the decisions. You're going to be leading this church or other churches. You guys are. And so it's so important. Adults, we pour into them starting now. We pour into them starting now. And teens you're th and tweens and kids, we're going to ask you to continue to step up. Be examples in your classes. We already have tweens that are serving in the nursery and with our tots. We've got teens who are serving in kids' ministry. Could you even do kids' ministry without all of our help and all of our teens? No. We're building a, a strong teen ministry, and we need our high schoolers. We need our high schoolers to step up, to serve and to mentor and be examples. If we're going to honor the name Emmanuel, we need you to help us lead kids and teens. And adults, we've got a responsibility to coach them well, to coach them well. I remember watching a movie called High School Musical 3. I wouldn't have chosen it on my own, but I'm a dad, two girls, and I remember that movie, uh, and I was watching it. I don't know if both my girls were there, but I remember watching it with Andra, my youngest daughter. She was probably six or seven at the time. Now, there's a character in this movie. Um, Troy Bolton is the name of the character. I think we have a picture of him. He's the captain of the Wildcats, all right? He's the captain of the Wildcats. And I remember watching this movie, and Troy Bolton is, you know, the good guy, right? One of the good guys in the, in the movie. Well, in High School Musical 3, he's the captain of the Wildcats. He's a senior. And there's this scene where he embarrasses some of the freshmen on the team. They prank some of the freshmen on the team. He embarrasses them. And I remember going, whoa, whoa. And to my little six or seven-year-old, I remember saying, Andra, that's not what a good leader does. That is not what a good captain does. They may be laughing right now. That is not what a great leader does. In fact, a great captain, do they do that? 
No, what the great captain does is they say, oh, if they see that someone else doing that, they say, no, we don't do that. We don't pick on our teammates, right? That's what this character does. You know who this next character is? Not him. You know that character? What's her? What's that? That's Sharpay, right? Sharpay. Now, she's, she's a leader, but is she a good leader? Have you seen the movie? No, no. She's not a good leader. She's not a good leader. That's the kind of move Sharpay would do. Troy Bolton would not do that or should not do that. Every gift that God gives our church matters. Here's one of the reasons why leadership matters so much. If leaders don't lead well, and that includes leaders of all ages, if you don't lead well, it affects everybody else. If you do lead well, it affects everyone else. Leadership matters. It matters a lot. If we're going to honor the name Emmanuel, we need to hold our leaders to high standards. There will be times we need to look at each other and we need to say, whoa, that was out of line. That conversation was out of line. That email was out of line. That decision was out of line. We need to challenge each other on that. All right, let's turn a corner now and talk real quickly about fruitful structures. Here's what our denomination describes as fruitful structures. They said fruitful organizational structures, and they give two verses or two passages, one out of Exodus, one out of Acts. They say we can articulate a compelling, Christ-honoring vision for our church. Our organizational structures are designed to be efficient at making decisions while at the same time building congregational ownership for those decisions. Now, this isn't just, again, well-worded. It's also got well-chosen passages. For the sake of time, let's focus in on the Acts one. Let's look at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And as we read it, I want you to keep in mind that this is from the same book of the Bible. This is from the same of the book of the Bible we read earlier in Acts, where it said Jesus is the Savior, Jesus is the name we honor. Okay? Same book of the Bible. It doesn't put Jesus up and against fruitful structures. It's a both and. Here we go, Acts chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. And what was said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip and a bunch of other guys whose names are really hard to pronounce. And they were set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, we've looked at this passage before. I'm sure we'll circle it again to some other time. There's so many important practical lessons here for God's people. There's lessons about priorities, accountability, effective delegation, leadership development, so much more. What I'd like to draw your attention to this morning is this. As the church grew, structures needed to change. As the church grew, structures needed to change. And here's what happened when good leaders made good decisions. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, if the church in Jerusalem was like the church anywhere else in the world. There were probably those who liked the good old days better, right? They liked the good old days, the good old, the ways it used to be better. But the structures needed to change. The leaders made wise, God-honoring decisions, and good things happened when they did. 
Now, if you're playing guess the blank, I bet you got the last one, right? Fruitful structures bear good fruit. Not a trick question. It's common sense, right? Fruitful structures, if you want to have fruitful structures, there are structures that bear good fruit. By definition, our new idea is always better. No. Our old idea is always better. No. Sometimes it's a combination of the two. Sometimes it's the new. Sometimes it's the old. Better decisions are better. And if we're going to honor the name Emmanuel, we can't be a church that blames every bad outcome on the devil or challenging circumstances. The church of Jesus Christ has overcome the worst circumstances the devil's thrown at her for 2,000 years. Amen? Amen. We need to seek the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and then put in a lot of perspiration as we work really hard in Jesus' name to figure out, God, what works? What would you have us to do? And I can't wait for the day when we can fully sponsor as a church every kid at Emmanuel Children's Home. Won't that be a fun day? I can't wait for this. I can't wait until Moundsview Basketball, Moundsview Hockey calls our church and says, when are you scheduling that snow camp again? Because we don't want to schedule any tournaments that weekend because we know our kids aren't going to show up because they're going to go to your retreat. Can't wait for that day. Can't wait for the day when that find your next tool that's on paper right now it is that online tool that's helping hundreds, maybe thousands of people take their next step and resources them and challenges them, inspires them. How do we get there? We pray like crazy. And then we try our best to make good decisions and appoint good leaders at every spot in this church and try to develop good structures. All right. Well, enough talking. As we close out here today, I want to Put this into practice. Let's put this into practice. Let's show each other. You're going to help with this. We're going to show each other the difference that leadership and structures make. All right? So let's have the band come up. And as the band comes up, they're going to, we're going to simulate the Guitar Center sales floor right now. All right? So they're, and they come up. You just go ahead. You start playing whatever. Just pick up your instrument and just go ahead and play whatever. And then you can be a person there too, and you can just hum along. Or, what, or hum your own song, or sing your own song. You can even start that right now. Go ahead. Not awkward or anything, is it, right? <laughs> All right? So we're humming along. Joy to the world, hark the hymn, angels sing. Um, la, 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 la. This is pretty good, huh? What do you think? All right. That's the Guitar Center sales floor. Nothing wrong with it, but there's not a lot of structure, not a lot of leadership. If someone was walking by our church, if the doors were open, and that was us every Sunday, you know what they'd be thinking, right? A lot of times when they see churches in action, that's what they see, right? Just a lot of people doing their own thing. So let's close out this service by coming under leadership and structure. That's all we're doing when we gather and sing, right? We're coming under good leadership and good structure. This room has been prepared. The chairs, this isn't by accident. They don't align themselves. And you notice, look at that. You just happen to be facing the screen with the way we align the chairs. And as we sing the song, the words are going to match the words that we want to try to sing together. And the band is rehearsed. And their notes are going to be in sync. This is what we do. This is the difference 
that good leadership and structure makes. So let's enter in and let's show what happens when we do this and we come together as God's people. Would you lead us in some songs?